0: Call for Action presents Of Consuming Interest, a public service show that discusses scams, deceptive offers, and other consumer concerns. Here's the director of WJLA 7 Call for Action and your host, Shirley Rooker.
1: Federal regulations, what are they? And how much do they cost? Well, we're gonna discuss that today. We're gonna talk about the 10,000 Commandments, which is a report recently issued by Wayne Cruz, who is the Fred Smith Fellow in Regulatory Studies at the Competitive Enterprise Institute. And he has done a comprehensive study, just released it, and it's going to look at the cost, $1.94 trillion per year, which some say may be an underestimate. Wayne, welcome to Consuming Interest.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it
1: well this is a really interesting report because you're talking about something that most people don't talk about we don't hear a lot about it we certainly don't read about the cost of regulations in the newspapers and yet when we sit down and examine the real hard reality it's extraordinarily expensive it's a burden on consumers on small businesses on large corporations on everyone so let's first off to find For us, what you mean by regulations?
0: Yes, well, surely the. Let's put it in context with the entire federal government. You know, you mentioned that 1.9 trillion, sort of around a two trillion placeholder, that I use for the cost of regulation. Regulations are all of the decrees that come out of the hundreds of federal departments, agencies, and commissions, and they involve uh, economic regulations, financial, health, and safety, social regulations, labor, lots of paperwork. I just pulled together some new federal numbers that paperwork alone costs about (laughs) 15,000, the equivalent of 15,000 human lifetimes (laughs) per year. But regulations, to put it in context, (laughs) think about the federal government now spends about 6 trillion a year. The debt is now approaching $34 trillion, You know, half again as much as, as GDP now. Regulations are the hidden tax, though. We, we, we think of what the federal government takes in in corporate and individual uh, excise and other taxes, but regulation is the other way that the federal government gets things done other than spending. And so back when I started this report, this happens to be the 30th anniversary of the first one I did, so y'all are getting old, everybody. But I did the first one 30 years ago because I was interested in, just as I'd indicated, comparing it with the federal government. The federal government, you can look up what the federal government spends, you can look up its outlays, its receipts, its debt, the deficit, but it was never the case, surely, for regulation. And so I, I took to tallying up the numbers of rules and regulations during the year and what scant cost estimates are available. That's why I have what I think is a lowball estimate there. But I started pulling these together because when con- you ask what's the difference, what is a federal regulation exactly compared to, say, law, Congress passes a few dozen laws every year generally. There will be occasionally a year will pop up. There will be 300 laws that Congress passes and and the president signs. But guess what? And a lot of those, too, are things like post office renamings and things like that. So they you know they're big fat laws, and then they're kind of sort of trivial ones. But regulations, rather than a few dozen, there are at least three thousand new rules and regulations that pump out like chocolate bunnies out of the agencies every year. We did get below three thousand during one of Trump's years when he did what you what he called a one in two out uh, approach for regulation. So, my point in, in the 10,000 Commandments report is it's not the, eight, the Congress that's the primary lawmaker. It's the agencies that are writing most law in the country with uh, notice and comment regulations and then sometimes even just sort of off the books things. So that's an, that's an overview, maybe a little windy, but that's a little bit overview for you.
1: No, that that's a, put it, puts it in perfect perspective for us because some people argue that these regulations actually are unconstitutional. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that is a I think an ongoing debate, is it
0: not? Yes, it is, uh, Shirley. We're having a there's a longstanding dispute about where the lawmaking power lies. And according to Article One in the Constitution, all lawmaking power resides in the Congress of the United States. So. One argument is that this delegation, and it's – however much may be appropriate, there's certainly over-delegation of, of uh, lawmaking power from Congress to agencies to do – for for agencies to do the things or make the tough calls that Congress doesn't want to make. I mean you can have the same <clears throat> representatives say to – one group. Oh, look at me! I voted for the the clean the Clean Air Act amendments, or you know, such and so regulation, the the Inflation Act, uh, the Infrastructure Act. But then he can walk across the street to the Chamber of Commerce and say, "My gosh, these agencies writing these rules are out of control." When it was the very big lo- the very law that the Congress passed that has delegated so much power to agencies to do those things. So, in a way, Congress, you see, Congress benefits. From the regulatory state that it should be rolling back
1: <laughs> you know that's a that's a, an interesting way of looking at it and of course when you talk about rolling back i can't imagine that an agency is going to want to roll back its regulations because that's giving up some of its power so uh, indeed everybody it is can attack mm-hmm. me for saying that but look it just makes sense if you've got the power to do something you don't want to give it up um it, and that indeed I that's course, true think,
0: if you think uh huh if you think about a private company you know they they benefit from selling products from growing their profits but what is the product of a government agency they're very very difficult to to wind down we did finally close down a colleague of mine was noticing it in the in the uh, federal register this year, there was a tea office at the department of agriculture, (laughs) a a tea tasting quality office that finally, that finally was eliminated (laughs) this year, but you not, you, but you don't find large scale rollbacks of federal regulations. But when we talk about some of the the optimistic side and things we might do uh, about this, one of the things we can talk about is uh, sunsetting of rules and things to roll back.
1: We're going, we're going to get to that. I'm just trying to put all mm-hmm. of this into perspective. Now, for example, when we're dealing, what consumers are complaining about washing machines? I mean, this is kind of getting down into the nitty gritty, but they can say they're complaining about their washing machines and their dishwashers, particularly dishwashers that take over an hour to load and, and then sometimes much longer <laughs> than that to even completing a wash cycle. So they complain about that. Now that was done, I believe, under a regulation rather than something that was passed by Congress. Is that true? Do you know?
0: Right. What will happen? The Energy Department does have. There are conservation requirements in law, but the Energy Department will, likes to extend those. So those are growing into, you know, the, the dishwashers, the the clothes washers, the dryers. They're they're going to small motors, little. Uh, uh, camping motors boat motors and so on so every, all the time there's constantly an inclination on the part of the agency to sort of stretch the bounds in this or any other area and find new things to to uh, regulate but the yeah. the but it, but it's interesting that you brought that example up because you know we're talking about in the lead up that a lot of times people can don't you, know can you about say, the,
1: can you say can you save that thought we need to take a break here you're listening to a consuming interest right here in the Federal News Network. We're talking to Wayne Cruz, who is the Fred Smith fellow in regulatory studies at the Competitive Enterprise Institute. And we're talking about the cost of regulations. You don't see them, you don't see the cost, but it's there. It's affecting you, all of us, businesses and whatnot. So Wayne, I'm sorry, I had to interrupt you. Would you continue, please?
0: Oh, that's okay. I was just indicating what what you had mentioned in the lead-up is. A lot of times, folks may not know about the cost of regulations. My my reckoning is that when if it percolates down, you percolate that one point nine or two trillion dollars uh, a year down to the household level. You're talking about over fourteen thousand a year to the household. But it all seems so abstract, right? But when you bring up an example like these infuriating dishwashers when <laughs> you yeah. have to reload, you have to rewash, uh, your washing machine now needs to be front loading and, and leaking and moldy rather than the way they would normally work with the, with loading on top. People notice it then, but generally the regulations are kind of obscure. They're gonna be uh, labor regulations, environmental rules that companies comply with, and you want to you wanna protect the environment, but when the overreach happens and you can't get access easily to the energy that people need and so forth, it does add to cost but people don't see it directly it's something that right. affects productivity and the you know the at the overall healthiness of the economy but when it comes down to that dishwasher boy you see it
1: oh and we complained years ago they've been improved i think but toilets um and other <laughs> other things and and of course whether or not we're going to have efficient air conditioners and refrigerators and things of that nature you know i understand all of this much of it's done with good thoughts behind it but sometimes i don't think mm-hmm. that there's an analysis now isn't there a requirement that these agencies analyze the cost or that there's some agency analyzes what the cost is likely to be of a new regulation
0: oh boy i'm you know what i'm glad you brought that up because i hadn't thought about it before we before we got on the air the the agencies based on long-standing executive orders and a lot of the good stuff here was in in terms of oversight and supervision and watchdogging a lot of it was bipartisan so the agencies by long-standing executive orders from from reagan and then bill clinton modified the executive order but the office of management and budget would require agencies under these orders to review rules and regulations to make sure that benefits exceed costs at least for the major rules now when we say those costs are understated, one of the reasons is because of that term major. Agencies might be reluctant to admit that a rule is major. Nonetheless, once they make that designation, they're supposed to assure that benefits exceed costs. But guess what happened <laughs> in recent years? That annual report from, from the White House to Congress has been delayed. It's... it's it was three years later in the Trump administration. We just got a new report this year, just a few weeks ago of the white house report to Congress on those benefits and costs that you're talking about, but it was catching up from fiscal year 2019, Charlie. so the oh, federal the agencies weren't even, weren't even owning up in recent years under Biden to the, uh, the costs and benefits of the rules. Now, I, certainly, ones, I with, certainly
1: couldn't run my household that way.
0: No, no, none of us can. And so, you know, the way the way Fred, our founder Fred Smith would always say, the regulatory the regulatory enterprise is the least disciplined part of the federal government. And if we see that overspending is a phenomenon in the budget itself that Congress oversees, imagine how out of control regulations can be. But the oh worst thing, gracious. a terrible thing that happened, I, I really, I really want to mention this to you. I'm so glad you brought it up, is those cost-benefit analyses for major rules, generally, and there, there are differences in, in in the term, but generally a major rule is one that is is assumed or estimated to cost at least $100 million a year. Well, that's been the longstanding tradition, $100 million that's been that way for over for over 30 years. But Biden changed that with an executive order this year, called modernizing regulatory review, modernizing regulatory review, following up on an earlier memorandum he' had. <clears throat> and so guess what's happened now? The threshold for review has been increased from one hundred million to two hundred million. <laughs> so a lot of those tardy those rules that we've been tardy getting an estimate of are now the universe of rules that get reviewed is going to go is going to shrink even more.
1: Oh, so boy, it might yeah. be
0: that it might be that those you know the next phase of dryer rules or hair dryer rules are are going to slip through the cracks. So they can be costly, but if they don't meet a certain threshold anymore, the uh, OMB won't do that that extra scrutiny of it. In fact, uh, Biden and has and mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. that's going to make your job more difficult.
0: Yes, it is, and I, I don't want this job. I want I want the federal you government want to, know, to start writing you want this, this to report. Go away. I want this to go away. You. I want I, I'm I'm doing this. You know, I, I do the 10,000 Commandments because I I like to have those historical tables. But I think it's the federal government's job to uh, to take a picture of itself. And one of our proposals, when we talk about some of you know, some of the good things what we might do, it, is is exactly that a regulatory report card that will be an official uh, presentation from the federal government. And you can, you can you can bring in GAO. You can do OMB. It doesn't really matter to me. I just want it to the federal government to disclose and be transparent.
1: Okay, now we're we're going to have a very, I have about a minute here before we have to take mm-hmm. another break. Tell me, what can consumers do to help support the efforts to make more sunlight onto these rules and what these regulations and what they're costing us? What do we as consumers what? need to do?
0: Right. Well, obviously, you know, the, you know, the standard thing is we all you know, need to report to our representatives and go to town halls and things like that. But one of the drivers of reform, you know, I had mentioned these, these cost benefit analyses and so forth, but one of the drivers had been small business and state and local governments who were concerned about federal mandates and mm-hmm. they would come to Washington and they would be the genesis of reform. And that's the way it occurred last time um when uh, when we had major regulatory reforms which we might talk about if you have to take a break
1: okay well i'll tell you it's really interesting that um uh, this keeps growing and growing mm-hmm. and i think the 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 size i guess obama's regulations regulations issued under the obama administration were the all-time high um mm-hmm. we won't and there are others that that are just as bad in terms of the regulations and things that have been issued sure. so there's there's a lot there that that we need to cover and we're going to talk about that we're going to come back and talk about some of the steps that you just uh, mentioned briefly that we can take to correct some of these problems and get rid of some of these things on the books which are absolutely stupid i mean what else can i say uh let's just let our listeners know that they have been tuned into of consuming interests right here on the federal news network my guest today is wayne cruz he's the fred smith fellow in regulatory studies at the competitive enterprise institute and we're talking about the cost of federal regulations and you would be surprised you don't see it when you pay your tax bill but you see it with everything else costs contribution to inflation, and so on. So Wayne, let's get into some of the suggestions that you had made, Mm -hmm. ideas that you put forth that we need to do in order to get control of and to roll back some of these regulations. And one of the things that struck me when I was reading the list were the sunset rules. It seems to Mm -hmm. me like that should be almost obligatory for anything that we're writing up that's going to have an impact on our country.
0: Oh, sure. And the way I believe that we would need to start is recognizing that, you know, despite a lot of the political turmoil these days, that some of the key reforms of regulation have a bipartisan pedigree Mm -hmm. and that there is the potential for the parties to get together on this. One of the indicators of that right now is on the the sister issue to regulation, the federal budget, there's talk of a bipartisan debt reduction commission. Similarly, back and this is all related to sunsetting and, and reduction commissions and so forth. But back when we had the military base closure commission, you know, that was one of the areas where, well, I've got something in my district I don't want to shut down. If I have to take a hit, somebody else has to take uh, be, be vulnerable to a to a, a rollback as well. The notion came up of even back in the 90s of a debt reduction commission. It was Senator Connie Mack, and at that time I was working in the Senate with. Senator Phil Graham and he proposed a regulatory reduction commission for that, that would be similar to the military base closure commission where you every year there'd be a bipartisan commission that would put together a slate of rules for Congress to do an up or down vote on to roll back. So that's one of the approaches and we talk about that often and you mentioned sunsetting. The the notion of sunsetting rules has been around a long time too and sometimes legislation or rules will have you know, will have a sunset date where Unless active measures are taken, it expires after a certain amount of time. And those are great ideas. You know, sometimes they'll get ignored, but those are, those are good things to do. <clears throat> what will have to occur, I think, is something will need to happen to put Congress's feet to the fire. That's not happening at the moment. The last time it did, unfortunately, it was a generation ago. But when we got regulatory reform, It was overwhelmingly bipartisan in the in the 90s we had the unfunded mandates reform act we had the small business regulatory relief act we had what's called the congressional review act and that was extremely controversial now that's and and especially it was under trump because it had been used so little but then he used it to roll back a lot of obama rules that that rule with that uh, change allowed congress to um, it had to get up on its hind legs and veto an agency rule that came down the pipeline. So if people were upset about a certain banking rule or lending rule, Congress would issue a resolution of disapproval. And some of those went through that is contentious now, but guess what? Back when it passed during the mid nineties, it was overwhelmingly bipartisan. It was, it was almost unanimous. So that kind of thing will matter again. I think instead of Congress vetoing a rule though, I think that agencies, I think that Congress should have to actually approve, actually affirm the biggest of the agency rules. And I think given that, one of the things I've noticed, and I I did refer to it in the new 10,000 Commandments report, But one of the things that I believe is happening in the same way that we're seeing spending rise, the increase in legislation that we got since COVID, the CARES Act, the Inflation Act, the American Rescue Plan, the Infrastructure Law, the Chips and Science Act, guess what, Shirley? Those are not only hyper spending in terms of hundreds of billions of dollars in new outlays, but they're also highly regulatory. So it's not a trend yet, but one thing I've noticed, Shirley, is that there's a – uptick in the numbers of rules affecting small business, the number of significant rules affecting small business, the numbers affecting state and local government, And guess what? Those are the same parties who, concerned about regulation, are the ones that generated reforms in the past. And so I think that is something that may we may well see on the horizon. I think there's going to be this uptick as these new laws percolate down through those regulatory agencies into new rules and regulations and so i think we may see some you may see that public up, uprise a little bit more on on some of these things because Especially they're going to be businesses. they're going to be expensive mm-hmm. and
1: they're really going to hurt some segments of exactly. our
0: yeah exactly and you mentioned yeah, adding I to inflation you. and things like that it's going to it's going to have that effect so i think i have i have optimism about the prospects for regulatory reform i see plenty of things that give me pessimism but I do have optimism like this past week Biden announced a supply chain uh, Commission you know this cross-agency Commission uh, to safeguard supply chains and ensure resilience and things like that the heart is in the right place of anything like that but the issue here is to me it looked too prescriptive it looked too regulatory it looked as if it were pulling companies in to promote certain kinds of energy rather than other kinds of energy. And if we really wanted resilience, it inexplicably left out easy access to fossil fuels instead favoring access to critical minerals that put us at even more risk and things like that. So I look at things like that and I I think, well, this is a wrong move. It's too regulatory, it's too prescriptive. It's gonna lead to businesses, unfortunately, trying to work with government to to, uh, to incorporate these kind of programs, because often businesses, unfortunately, you know, will benefit from regulation, especially if it shuts out a smaller competitor or a less capable competitor. But despite seeing things like that that concern me and then the, you know, the numbers and costs that we talked about, I do think that there will be something of a groundswell in the future to, to carry out some of those reforms we talked about. And yeah. on, on top of the ones I had just mentioned, you know, things like report cards and uh, regulatory cost budgeting, things like that can be helpful.
1: Well, um, I you, you make one suggestion that I thought was just absolutely marvelous, and I'd like to vote on it for you right now. And that is what you call automatic rejection, creating an office of no, which, which, which I love that, tasked with making a case against new and existing regulations. Can I join?
0: Uh, Yes, you can join, but the reason for doing that is because if OMB is diminishing that oversight of regulation in terms of analyzing costs and benefits, we do need something chartered with a little bit more of a bold mission in terms of saying, hey, this might be a political failure rather than market failure, and regulation isn't necessarily the answer.
1: Wayne, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been very enlightening. I've learned a lot maybe more than I want to know about regulations and its impact on my life. But, you know, we're living with it, aren't we? Anyway, you've been listening to Of Consuming Interest right here on the Federal News Network. My guest has been Wayne Cruz. He's the Fred Smith Fellow in Regulatory Studies at the Competitive Enterprise Institute. And we thank you for joining us today.